Welcome to the STSA Church Podcast. Each week, we discuss relevant, thought-provoking topics that challenge us to understand our faith more personally and engage in it more practically. We aim to communicate the depth and riches of our ancient faith in simple and understandable ways that are relatable to the modern world. Welcome to The Well here at STSA, where we have a very special presentation, as you just saw up there on the screen, is that we, uh, two weeks ago, I just returned back from a trip to Egypt, a mission trip, along with 57, as I said earlier, 57 of my closest friends, and 57 of, of, actually 57 was the starting number. We actually ended up by like 61 or 62 by the end of the trip when all was said and done. And we want to share with you our experience today because I know a lot of people got a lot of questions and we want to share about what we learned and what we did. But before we do that, okay, I want to start off by answering the question, why do we go on mission trips to begin with? Okay, what's the whole point of it? Is it just tourism? Is it just uh, instead of our normal vacation, we go on mission trips? Well, the reason we do mission trips, actually, we do more than just one mission trip per year. We actually, this year, we are doing four mission trips as a church family. Egypt was just one of them, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But I also want to make sure that you know that we sent a group of people to Bolivia. Raise your hand if you're part of the Bolivia group. Any of the Bolivia missionaries here today? Okay, none of them are here today. They must be still there. Hopefully it was turned out okay. Okay, <laughs> they're still there doing mission. Okay, how about Atlanta? Anyone who went to Atlanta mission trip? Okay, our high school youth over here. We sent a group to, to Bolivia as well as a group of high school youth to Atlanta. And we still have a trip coming up to Baltimore. Who signed up to go to the Baltimore trip later on in August? Oh, they're in Sunday school. That's why. Okay. That's for our, our middle school youth. So that's why they're not here today. But the point is, is that it's not just one trip, but we believe the importance of going on yearly mission trips. And every year we're going to continue to do it. And our hope is that every year we would highlight one of the trips. So last year we talked a lot about Bolivia. Okay. When they had come back. So today we said we'd highlight Egypt and every year go on, so on, so forth. Why do we do mission trips? Well, it comes down to one of our core values here at STSA is genuine love for community. Help me out here. Read, let's read this together. We bleed with, all together, one, two, three. We bleed with. I'll make you read it at the end, but I'm going to expect more energy during the end when we read it there, okay? We don't just care about physical needs. I'm sorry, about spiritual needs. We care about the entire person. We seek to be a true blessing to the entire community everywhere we go. Why do we have this as one of our core values? Let's take a step back. If I were to ask you, what's the goal of Christianity? Why do we do what we do? Why do we go to church? Why do we believe? Like, what's the point? What's the, perp- what's the end result that I'm supposed to get to? Is the goal just so that we know what the Bible says? Is that the goal, like an educational intellectual? Is the goal that we pray? Is the goal that we fast? Is the goal that we wear nice clothes on Sunday so people say, this is a nice boy, this is a nice girl? Is that the goal? All those things are means towards an end, but they're not the end result. The end result of Christianity, as the name implies, is we are supposed to be Christ. We are supposed to be little Christ. As he is, so we are supposed to be. So we are supposed to be transformed and become as he is. That's why you often hear about like, we're the hands and the feet of Christ. Okay, we're supposed to be the mouth of Christ, the ears of Christ, et cetera, et cetera. Because Christ is alive today, you believe that and I believe that, okay? We know that Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive. But if you ask God, say, God, where are you? 
We can't see you. We can't see God in this world. His answer would be, you should be able to see me very clearly. There I am, right there. And people should be able to see Christ in us, okay, in the same way that the disciples, Peter, James, and John, they saw Christ physically, and he ate with them, and he drank with them, and he lived with them. People should see Christ in us. I love this verse from John chapter 20. Okay, Jesus says what? At the very end, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. He says this to his disciples and his apostles says, as the father sent me, I also send you. And I think Jesus is saying that to every single one of us today. As Jesus was sent by the father, he was sent to do what? Jesus was sent by the father to reveal who God is, to fix misconceptions. And he is sending us to do the same thing, to show people who God is. You know, Jesus was the first one who taught people there's many things that we believe today that we take for granted that before Jesus didn't exist. Before Jesus, people had this idea that there was a class system when it came to God. There was a class system. There was high class and low class and no class. So if you were born into a certain family, into a certain culture, you were high class. You go straight to the front of the bus. But if you were born into that, you're in the back of the bus and sometimes you might not even be allowed on the bus. There was a class system. Jesus said, no, there's no class system. What are you talking about? There's no class system. Before Jesus, they had this idea that if you did something wrong, you could do something that would make you unclean in front of God. It would make you unacceptable in front of God. And Jesus came to say, no, 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 no. I get where you're getting that idea from because there actually is something that makes you unclean in front of God, but it's sin. That's the only thing. None of the other stuff, but sin. But Jesus came and said, I came with a solution for sin. So now there's never a reason that anyone, no matter what you did, as long as there's repentance, there's never a reason that anyone would be unclean and unacceptable in front of God. Jesus was the first to show that no matter what your circumstances are, God does not curse you. God does not curse us. Someone born with a disease doesn't mean they're cursed by God. That's what they used to think, that certain people were just born that way, unaccepted to God. Jesus was the first to show that every person had intrinsic value, not extrinsic value. Before Jesus... Value is based on extrinsic criteria. If you can work, if you're strong, you have value. You can't work, if you're weak, you had no value. Women and children, no value. Jesus was the first one to say that every single person has value. He gave value to the poor. He gave value to the sick. He gave value to women. He gave value to children. He gave value to the unborn. He even gave value to the lowest class of all, which was sinners. Jesus was the first one. Now, here's my question to you. And this answers why mission. How did Jesus do that? How did Jesus give value to children? How did Jesus give value to women? How did Jesus give value to sinners? How did he do it? Was it by sermons? Was it by teaching? He must have had a podcast, okay? If he's going to go global, he must have had a really good podcast with a snazzy intro. How did he do it? Simple. He lived among the people. Yeah, he loved but love has to be communicated in an individual, personal way. He lived among the people. He had lunch with them. He had breakfast with them. He hung out with them. He had parties with them. He went to their homes. He hugged them. He touched them. He didn't just talk at people, but he went to them. In other words, he was a man on a mission. And he came with a mission to bring God to every single person that he met. And that's how he fixed these misconceptions. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 says it this way. It says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. No one has seen God at any time. But you know how they see God? 
Same applies today. We see God when God lives in us. And how does God live in us? Through love. And when we touch other people and we hug them and we live with them as Jesus did. So that's why we do mission trips. The goal of the mission trips is very, very simple. The goal is to take a week or eight days or whatever the case may be off from our schedule and go and show love to people with no strings attached. That means that we're going to go and do whatever is asked of us. Sometimes that means we're going to hug people. Sometimes it means we're going to speak to people. Sometimes it means we're going to listen to people. Sometimes it means we're going to do manual labor for people. Whatever it takes. The whole point of the mission trip is we're going to roll up our sleeves, get out of our comfort zone, and for one week, hopefully for more, but at least one dedicated week, we are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus and do whatever is required of, of us to do to show Christ to people who need to see him. So that's why we do mission trips. And like I said, we do four per year. We're going to highlight one per year. This year, we're going to talk about the Egypt trip. Let's get into what the Egypt trip is all about. Today, you're going to get a chance to hear from some of the people who are on the trip. We're not going to bring all 57 people up here on stage because I don't think the stage can support it, okay? And we're in our final weeks of renting and we don't need to pay for this stage when all is said and done. But you're going to get to hear from a smattering of people from all different ages. This trip was unique. I've been on many mission trips in my life. This was unique, if for nothing else, the age range. We had a 77-year gap between the oldest and youngest person on the trip. And you're going to get to hear from some of the people in there. But before we get to the people, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to invite our organizers of the trip. Okay, Steve and Marcel, okay, are going to come up here and join me on stage. Big hand for Steve and for Marcel. Steve and Marcel were the two people who helped us to organize the trip and talk and, and take care of a lot of the details. So they're going to share with us a little bit about what was going on in the trip. Steve? Sure. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, as Father Anthony mentioned, we took several trips uh, you know, this year on, on mission through the church. And I was thinking, what is special about Egypt? Or what is unique about Egypt? And like we said, we've organized many of these trips all over the world. But the thing to me that makes Egypt special, and I've been on all these different trips, to me is all about connection, right? And connection in two different kind of areas. The first part is connection to our faith, right? So I've been to Zambia and Congo and Atlanta and Baltimore, and those are great, but there's something about going on a trip to Egypt where you can connect to your faith, to the ancient faith. We could do a thousand sermons here about the ancient faith. We could do a thousand liturgies at a very ordinary place in a very ordinary university. But I'll give you two examples of connection to the faith, is having us and our children pray a liturgy in the cave church in, in Garbage City in Mukattam, in the mountain, okay? Having dressed deacons, having my children dressed as deacons in a cave church, and then hearing the story about how that mountain moved many, many centuries ago uh, through the prayers of the people. You, you can't teach that. I mean, you can teach that, but you can't experience that until, you know, you're sitting there in this holy ground. The other thing we did also is, is another place is we went to the Church of the 21 Martyrs, which is a brand new church that commemorates the martyrs who, were, who died in Libya, the Coptic martyrs. That was like 10 years ago. So my children and the children all looking at these kids who are not that much older than them and something that didn't happen centuries ago but happened in the 21st century who died for their faith is a lesson that they may not understand now but is a beautiful connection back to their faith and really something you can only get on a mission trip in Egypt. The second part of connection is connection in the service and those who we were serving. And so to me, again, we connect and we serve through uh, in so many different countries, so many different places, but the ability to connect with those we are serving 
yes, some of us had the same cultural background. So there was an ability to connect with language and culture. But even if you couldn't connect in your language or your culture, there was a common faith, knowing that I'm serving my brother or sister in Christ, knowing I'm serving people that go to the same church that I go to. There was this kind of natural connection. And the way we built that connection is that we partnered with two organizations in Egypt to provide service opportunities there. So the first one that we partnered with is an organization called Stephen's Children, which is run by uh, Mama Maggie, who is the head of Stephen's Children. And they serve children and orphans and, and all the children in the garbage city in the Mukattam area, and under the mountain there. So they take all the children, they provide so many different services for them, and they provide schooling and, and activities and summer camps and all these different things. And this organization is the quaint essential, you get more than you give. Because truthfully, we didn't really give anything. They have such a well-oiled machine in their summer camps and in their programs that we walked in and we walked out with food and gifts and songs and presentations as if they were the ones serving us. And truly, they served us by every single person in our group that walked out of that day at Stephen's Children, walked out thinking, we're the worst people in the world, that these are the greatest people ever, and they have the greatest service and greatest ministry. And so it's one of these things where you just leave with this incredible joy and this incredible kind of feeling inside of you. So that was the first group that we uh, partnered with. The second group is another organization called Shepherd and Mother of Light. And Marcel's going to go into uh, detail here in a minute about them. But there was a natural connection with them because all the stuff that we do here in Washington is needs-based, is going into the community, is finding the needs in our local community, they're doing it in Egypt. And we didn't even know that until we got there. Is that they are the, basically the, the, our kind of mirror image over in Egypt, going into the community, finding the needs. We would go to house visitations, and they would know everything about the families they were visiting, all their needs, all their, their kind of monthly situations, everything that they needed on a month-to-month -month basis. And so there was this natural connection to this organization. And so I think we're going to watch a video here that gives uh, a little bit of breakdown on them and then Marcel will go over the details. كان صغير كده وجبته اول ما دفع عليا انا رحت مشوار بيي سلم عليا كده ده بنادم ربيت هو صغير هو الكلب ده انا في مكان لمده 10 ايام عقبال البركة فكنت وربنا عمال يرزقنا يا ربنا عمال ناكل عيش من المقبض Hello. Uh, so the video you just watched is uh, Shepherd and Mother of Light organization. This organization was established in 1994 by a group of people who loved going to Upper Egypt to serve the poorest of the poor. So the category is way under the poverty line, maybe $1 per month, if even that. So um, this trip was such a privilege because we felt Jesus taking us, holding our hand, going to do good among the people. 
and honestly, these people don't need us. Um, many of them would say, thank you for coming, but whenever I need food, I just ask God, and I find a meal at the door. Whenever I, I need money, at night, somebody knocks on my door and gives me the money. So we were the one that got served, as Abun and Steve said. So I'm going to walk you. We saw a lovely movie, a video in the beginning with no sound. I'll be the sound. <laughs> we'll walk through the um, pictures. Um, so on the first day of our mission trip, we took the train. We partnered with Shepherd and Mother of Light. They have 550 employees local from Cairo to Aswan. And these uh, servants slash employees part-time, they know every single family. They do um, a case study for every family and they write down the needs. Then Cairo servants come and they together, we visit the family and um, uh, we, well, Shepherd and Mother of Light usually visits the family, then prays with them, reads the Bible with them, connects them with the church for their spiritual need. Then it takes care of everything else, such as we go and we find a family of 10 or 12 living in a small room made out of mud sometimes with no roof, no bathroom, no electricity, no water, no health care, no income, basically nothing. And they s tell them, Jesus loves you. And we're here because he sent us to um, tell you how valuable you are to him. And then they start connecting with the church for uh, spiritual development. Then they do uh, seven different things. Uh, they build the house, so they have urban development for them. They install a bathroom because that's a basic right. We heard so many stories of older women going to their neighbor's house, which is very embarrassing for them, or a little girl going to the field and gets harassed because of no bathroom. Very basic right, 2023. Um, electricity, water. Then they enroll all the kids at school. They have their own nurseries. They have their own after-school programs. Then once the, uh, the kids go to school, they support them financially to college and even doing um, their masters sometimes if they're very bright. And also the sick, they take care of them in many different ways. One of the ways is they take them to the doctor and they get transportation for them because sometimes they cannot afford even going to the doctor. There's a very big hospital that was built in Beni Mazar area to serve the poor and to serve everybody else in the area, but they pay for them to be treated at the hospital. If the specialization is not there, they take them to Cairo to be treated. And even so many doctors come from abroad to serve them. And uh, Hope, we'll get into Hope and the mobile clinic and how Hope specifically uh, supported that. Also, they don't give people money. So they teach them vocational training. So you can do, um, you can learn how to sew on a sewing machine. You can work at a factory. So vocational training. Also, they teach uh, the moms uh, and the dads literacy. They enroll them in literacy classes. So they're able to help them with homework. The kids, their kids with homework, they're able to read and write. So if they do economic development for them to establish a small business, they would know if they have a vegetable stand, how to count and how to take money and give money. So the only people that get monthly aid are those who are um, uh, very, very old, they cannot work, or very, very sick, and they cannot work. But otherwise, everybody has to work. And this is what God said in the Bible. Um, other stuff is if their kids have special needs, 
um, we're going to talk about that, I think, in the next slide. So this is um, they, for special needs specifically. They take all the kids and they do physical therapy and speech therapy to enable the kids to become healthier. They also, um, the kids feel productive and the older, the older people feel productive when they do something themselves. So they have a factory that produces sheets and candles and jewelry. You can see in the picture that they're doing jewelry. They sell them and they earn income with dignity. So that's another program we uh, got to see. So our kids in that picture played games with them. Uh, they gave out presents to them. They got to interact with them and get the blessing and the joy of being there. Another program uh, we went to see uh, were the nurseries. So we walked in there and a bunch of kids, very happy, very well dressed. They put on their best dress and best outfit to meet with us. They were able to sing in Arabic, English, Coptic. They were able to put on plays to display um, their professions, what they aspire to be when they get older. So we had an amazing program that we got to see with them. Then uh, we gave out presents to the, our kids. Again, got to participate by giving out presents to them and our Teenagers, who are our heroes on the trip, got to paint the nurseries for them, uh, as you can see some of the pictures. Uh, mobile clinic, it's provided by Hope. And um, the idea of the mobile clinic, it's a bus. And they empty the bus and have different rooms in there. And that day, that specific mobile clinic um, will stay in Upper Egypt to serve the people who cannot reach a doctor's office. That day, they saw over 400 patients, and the need is so huge that after eight hours, it wasn't even enough. So um, that was a very big aid for the people to be able to go and get served and get medications at the same time. Then um, a group of us went to see the small businesses at the homes. As you can see, the man, he has uh, plastic containers and things like that to become self-sufficient, to support his family with dignity um, and able to provide. That woman in the picture, she works at a factory for Shepherd and Mother of Light. They have factories where it's a jeans factory where they make jeans and they sell them. They also have seasonal aid. So every Christmas and every Easter, they go and give a big box of food and they give clothing to the kids. So instead of buying the clothing, they have a factory to make them and the shoes, then they give them out. And the employees there are from the people being served. On our last day, we got to do a festival for over 200 kids that were enrolled in the after-school programs. Our own kids had uh, five stations. One of them was uh, balloon, uh, face painting, tattoos, uh, parachute game, tug of war. And it was such a joy for us to experience this with the kids and see their smiles that day. And we were able to give out presents to them, school bags full of supplies and things like that. Um, and you can see more pictures of handing out graduation certificates. And it was a very joyful day for them and for us. Uh, we got to experience so many other things on the trip. We got to visit um, uh, Mu'atam Church, as uh, Steve mentioned. And we had the privilege of meeting Mama Maggie and serving at the centers there. 
we uh, started our first day with Mu'attam in the morning, then at night, we rented a boat from Ma'adi Church, which is on the Nile. This is where the Bible was found that says, blessed my people, Egypt. So everything we did on the trip was with a purpose. We saw God's hand in it. We saw God's word. Uh, so it was such a blessing. And we bought the food from the church. So it's, it's a, it was a very pleasant. We had a word from um, Father Ya'oub from uh, St. Saint Ma- Saint Mary Zemelik Church about the ministry in Egypt and how to serve. Then we uh, we went to uh, the holy place where the holy family stayed, Gabal Eter. We spent some time there, and what we got to experience that. And if you tell anybody in the world, I was where Jesus stayed and played and ate and did everything. It's such a privilege for us to be able to experience that. And we went to the martyrs' church. We learned about their faith to the point that they gave up their life for Jesus. And our kids even were able to tell us the story and what they learned from this great story of faith. And we ended uh, we ended up the last day on the trip. We went to Cairo Tower in the morning, and we, um, we saw all of Cairo. And we ended up giving thanks to God at St. Mary Church in Zemelik. And Abuna asked each of us a question. He said, why do you think God chose you specifically to go on this trip? And what did you learn from that? So uh, we thank God, and we thank this amazing STSA church for having the heart for mission and stepping outside ourselves to receive joy and please God's heart. Thank you, Marcel and Steve. Big hand for Marcel and Steve. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Speaking of why we went on the trip, now we got the highlight of the trip. I know you didn't come to hear Steve, Steve, Marcel, or me. You came to hear some of the missionaries from the youngest of ages. So right now, we're going to invite Uh, some of our youngest missionaries to join us and share their lessons. So Elizabeth and Paul, come on up on stage. Give a big hand, guys, to two of our youngest missionaries. Come sit here, Paul. Very good. Very good. Do you want to sit down here? Come up. Here we go. Good boy. That wasn't part of the script, but that's okay. You can hold this. Okay, good. So here to my left, to your right, is Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, how old are you? Seven. Seven. And to my right is Paul. Paul, how old are you? Ten. Ten. Okay, very good. So they represent some of our younger missionaries. So Elizabeth, I'm going to ask you a question. And the question is, what experience touched or affected you the most? I just felt like people really took time to help other people who needed it. For an example, there was this boy who couldn't move his lips and mouth, and so they taught him how to move his lips and mouth and pronounce out words. Another one is there's this girl who had problems with her brain, and so her legs were crossed together and her arms were straight down, and they taught her how to move her legs and arms as you would when you were a baby. Wow. Big hand. Give her a big hand. And that really touched you. Do you, um, can you tell us how you felt when you, were, when you were watching all that? I felt like people really took time to care, and I feel like us should, should do it too. Very good. Hand again. Come on, guys. Us should do that too. I couldn't agree more with that. Thank you very much for sharing that. Okay, and that's something that you can say in Sunday school, but my guess is that one day is worth a million Sunday school lessons. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that, Elizabeth. Paul, I have a question for you. So 
Before I ask Paul his question, okay, something I was going to say earlier, but I forgot to do it, is one of the themes of our, the theme of our trip, okay, kind of the central theme that we discovered was joy through serving. That became our overwhelming theme of joy, 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 joy. And that became what kind of from the start to the end. So Paul, can you share in what ways did you experience joy through serving on this trip? The people that we served seemed really, really happy that they knew that someone out there, us, we cared about them and helped them for an example. At the, um, we went to a place where we, like, did, like, cornhole and tug-of-war and balloon animals, and, um, they, uh, really enjoyed the, they really enjoyed that we, like, helped them. Mm-hmm. And they, and, and they probably felt very special that we were coming all the way from America, and we could have you know, spent our summers playing video games or doing whatever, but we chose to spend it with them, right? And how did you feel as, as, you, were, um, as you were with the kids that day? I felt like I could do, I could um, try to be more grateful like them. Okay. On behalf of all the parents right here, kid, <laughs> on behalf of all the parents right here, Paul, did you miss video games that day? I'm not allowed to play video games. Oh. <laughs> Well, if you were, you wouldn't have missed them. <laughs> but I think um, um, <laughs> this happens when you go off script right here. But my guess is on that day, you weren't complaining about some of the things that, you know, sometimes when we're here, we tend to complain. I want to do this. I want to watch this. I want to go this. But you probably weren't complaining that day, were you? Nope. And why, and, and, and why do you think that was? You think you had something better than what you could have had here? It felt really good to just like help everyone out to know that I'm like helping out. Big hand for that one. Come on. These lessons, again, you can't, you can't, you can't teach this lesson. Okay, that has to be something that's experienced. So let's go one more. Big hand for Paul and Elizabeth. Thank you so much. You guys can go back down. You can go back down. Thank you all so much. All right, we're going to go up the, the food chain up a little bit here. We're going to invite two of our teens to join me here on stage. We got Isaac and Lizzie. Come on down. Big hand, guys. All right. So, Isaac, how old are you? 19. And tell us what you do in life. Oh, I'm in college, uh, studying pre-med. Okay, so Isaac just finished his first year in college, and you go to school where? I go to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, okay. Any other Hokies in the audience here today? Woohoo, a couple of them, okay, it's kind of weak, but that's okay. <laughs> and Lizzie, tell us about yourself. Um, I'm 16, and he's my dad. <laughs> what else is there? 16, and he's my dad. She's got everything that she needs in life, okay. So we got up here, okay? It was great seeing some of the youngsters, okay? Well, I can't remember the age. I think we said 7 and 10, and that's great. But 18 college and 16 high school just got licensed. I want you to think back to what you were like in, the, in that era of life, okay? And then given that, Isaac, we'll start with you. Was there a lesson that God wanted you to learn on this trip, and how did he teach it to you? 
Yeah, so um, I think the main lesson that God was trying to tell me that I can't live two separate lives. I need to live one life in Christ. Um, and I think a verse that resonates really well with that is that a spring can't um, pour forth both fresh and salt water out of the same opening. Um, so I, I can't speak for everyone, but I'll speak for myself when I say I feel like I often live two separate lives. Um, one is a deacon, someone who goes to church, serves the church, and then one is a teen who constantly gives into my worldly cravings and other things like that. Um, but when we were in Minya, um, the first day we got there, we every family was paired with a servant from Cairo. And I think what amazed me and uh, everyone else on the trip was how dedicated these Cairo servants are to their service and their, their mission. Um, when they're not in Minya, they're in other underserved communities in Egypt, and they're uh, back in Cairo serving their church, serving the Shepherd and Mother of Light. And so I think, like, I love to see that because it gave me hope that I can also dedicate my life to Christ um, and live that one life. And it wasn't only the Cairo servants that dedicated their life to Christ, but also the people we visited in the houses in Minya. Um, and one, one guy at the house visits, I remember, he went as far as saying, through my many trials, I remember that God never forgets me. And I, 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 it hit me in a different way. Um, like for me, I feel like I leave my prayers until the end of the day when I'm tired. I have a little bit of time to like spend in prayer. Um, but if I really loved God the way these people love God, I would want to spend my entire day with him 100% of my day. Um, and I, like I don't do that. And this was the lesson that God was trying to teach me. Uh, and right, so right now I'm reading a book called Belovedness as part of the Element series. And I remember there was a quote saying, like it's saying that we can also live this life, like consecrate our lives to God. It's not just for monks and nuns, um, but it can be for every one of us. And it said that we must deny ourselves for the sake of love for others, which is the love for Christ, essentially. Um, and so that, like in the Pauline epistle today, it said, Christ humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. And I think that's a really important attribute of someone who um, can dedicate their entire life to God and like live that one life in Christ. And uh, like, I, when I say, like, I need to obey God's commandments 100% of the time, not just when I'm at church, when I feel good, um, but all the time. It's like saying, I love only the people who love me back. Like, I need to love everyone, just how I need to be obedient to God and live in him 100% of the time. I can't live these two lives. Um, and so that was the main lesson that I think God was trying to teach me. Um, because, like, I, and another, le like, aside from that, um, I heard God telling me very strongly, when I come back to Virginia, I can't try to find a balance with God and with everything else. I need to be with God 100%, because a balance infers that, like, some people have too much or too little God, but I don't know anyone with too much God that complains about <laughs> it. So. That was a great lesson. Give that guy a big hand. That's some serious wisdom. And I, I see you got a very proud mom over there, okay? That's some serious wisdom. I appreciate that, okay? Lizzie, same question to you. What lesson that do you think God wanted you to learn on this trip, and how did he teach it to you? So um, I think the lesson that God is trying to teach me came down to humility, like Isaac was talking about, because something that I had heard a lot, like, coming into the trip is that, like, us Americans kind of live in, like, an American bubble or whatever, and that was definitely something I realized, like, going to Egypt. But what, like, hit me more personally, I think, as, like, a teenager, was I don't live as much in, like, this big American bubble, but I think I kind of live more in, like, my high school bubble. So, like, you know, all that, like, you know, like, who's fighting with who, who's out with who at lunch, like, <laughs> who's being, like, who's popular right now, like, all that stuff. And What I annoying thing did my dad do today? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that God used the house visits, the same ones that Isaac was talking about, to show me, like, 
just how stupid that whole bubble is because like as soon as we would walk into the door of any of the houses we were visiting those people were so so genuinely just happy to see us and like you could just tell how excited they were and I don't know I was kind of thinking about when my parents tell me we have random people coming over <laughs> I don't have the same reaction that they do <laughs> usually annoyed on a good day maybe I'm neutral but I'm never <laughs> ever as happy as they were when they saw us walk through the door and they just made me feel so like special and valued and then I was thinking about that I was like I don't know why they like were so happy with us I didn't do anything like literally I affected their life like I didn't do anything for them I didn't give them anything. I didn't even like speak the same language as them. So I was like, why are they so happy to see me? But I think what God was trying to teach me is that something about like that bubble I was saying that I live in is I like label people as like they ha can help me, they can't, they're cool, they're not. Like they are worth, like these people are worth something, these people aren't, just depending on like what they can offer me. But those people, I didn't offer them anything, but they were still so happy to see me and so excited and I think it's because of their humility they're able to see the value in everyone even the people that like me didn't offer them anything in return big hand for that girl I love what you said well I'm mortified by something you said but I love what you said <laughs> I'm mortified because you said about guests coming over you picked an ironic weekend to do it because I came home from Vespers last night and I told the family, someone's spending the night. <laughs> Sorry, Anthony, we're very happy to have Not you. Not you in specific. And then we got people coming over for lunch today, but we're very happy to have you as well. None of you guys. <laughs> Different people. <laughs> Different people. Different people. Not you and not you guys. <laughs> so I'm mortified by that. <laughs> but I'm happy what you said, what made me happy is when you said that I said in the beginning about how us seeing value mm -hmm. in others and what you're saying is they saw value in us even though we had no value to offer. Mm -hmm. So what is that value that I see in them and that they see in us? What's that connection point? It's not that we speak the same language. It's not that we share a common interest. We don't vote for the same president or whatever it may be. What's that uniting factor? Christ, our faith. And that unites us together where, as I'm saying, like even Lizzie saying, and Isaac, neither of them speak Arabic very well, okay? But during these visits, you know, they felt a connection because of what's in us and what's inside them, okay? Thank you, Lizzie. Thank you, Isaac. Give a big hand to both of these people right here. All right, moving up the corporate ladder, I'm going to invite Mark and Grace to join us up right here on stage. Big hand for Grace and for Mark. All right, Grace, we will start with you. Same question I asked to the teens. What lesson do you think God wanted you to learn on this trip, and how did he teach it to you? Um, I'm going to echo a lot what Lizzie said, and I really did feel like the mission was us or me. And what I mean by that is I think that, you know, going into the trip, we had ideas of what we're going to do and accomplish in the service, but the reality is we really didn't do very much. Um, and one of the, my, my favorite nights was actually on that boat ride with the priest um, from Adi saying that, you know, to go and serve, there's a couple different things that he told us. One was, um, when you go to serve, leave your problems at the door and they'll be waiting for you when you get back. Um, and that was something that I really needed to hear because I think 
Um, just like Lizzie said, that we can get so caught up in our thoughts, but when you're serving, you get out of your mind, you get out of your bubble, and instead you can use your energy and time in a useful thing and a positive thing rather than you know, being sucked into our own you know, selfish desires. Um, the other thing that that priest said was um, that we have to get out of our comfort zone to serve. And this was something that I think is like a huge message um, to me. I've been learning about comfort even from a secular perspective and how so many of us, um, especially in this country, but all humans, we seek comfort. Um, and obviously there was discomfort in this trip, okay? Um, there were unclean bathrooms, there were illnesses, there were, did I mention it was a trip with 60 people? Um, so there is inherent discomfort, okay? And those are not bad things, it's not bad to be uncomfortable. Um, and it's actually very necessary um, for us to not be comfortable sometimes for our own healing. And um, the benefits of that discomfort was fellowship together, eating meals together, um, Bible study by the Nile, um, visiting pilgrimage sites, doing liturgy, praying liturgy together. So those experiences, we will never have them if we don't sacrifice time, pay for plane tickets, um, you know, take PTO, whatever it is. So all those discomforts came at a very great price. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Give her a big hand, big hand. Well said, Grace. Mark, how about you? Lesson? So I'm going to say two main principles, kind of buckets. The first principle that I heard a lot and really sunk in was the principle, principle of nafish moshkila, <laughs> which means no problem. <laughs> Everywhere is no problem. Like the faith of these cops in Egypt, no problem. Nothing. There's nothing they cannot do. And that picture up there, that's Ma'ata Mountain on the right, the church, San Saman. And then upper left there um, is um, a nice mosaic at the hanging church where the, fa the Holy Family um, visited. So this was a big part for me because back when I was in high school, that's when I really got into like Sunday school teaching and more into Bible verse reading and memorizing all this stuff. And one verse, 30 years later, that I still remember, is Matthew 17, 20. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. So when this trip came up, and the first day of the trip was to Mo'atta Mountain, that was such an amazing blessing for me to actually be there in the presence in the caves, in the cave church on Mo'atta, or Broken Mountain. Um, so that, that was very special for me, and kind of put that all together for me, and really nothing is impossible, and uh, sort of everything that happened to me in my life since high school till now and moving forward. And just, I'm gonna interrupt for one second. Just for those who don't know, Makata Mountain is the mountain that was moved, okay, by the faith of the people back several centuries ago. So we won't get into the whole story right now, but that's the, that's the mountain that actually did move based on the faith of the people. Go Google it when you go home or ask Mark, he'll tell you the story. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and another, the other principle I wanted to mention was the whole idea of the people being consumed, or I would say consuming Christ and the Bible and his word. Um, and that's actually one part of this story, Sansa Man, he was um, the, the, 
the saint who was a tanner, he's a cobbler, he, he fixes shoes. Um, now I know we just buy new shoes and our shoes gets messed up, but he used to fix shoes. And he, he was tempted by a lady's ankle or her lower leg when he was fixing her shoe back in the day, about a thousand years ago. And he took it literally, the Bible said, you know, if you sin, pluck out your eye, if it's causing you to sin. Um, just the literacy and sort of that um, consuming of the Bible from there, but then the people that we visited, um, you saw some of those examples. I mean, we, we visited people didn't have any functional, functioning feet or arms or mouths or lips, or they have so much like chronic pain, like unimaginable, or not a lot of home, um, or the homes really didn't look like homes, obviously. Um, and, but they knew that, like Psalm 23, right? The, they know who their shepherd is. They knew who their shepherd is, and they shall not want. And we're like tugging at them, asking them, what do you need, what do you want? And they really, I shall not want. You know, it's so literal. Um, and so that was sort of my takeaway. Big hand, thank you very much, thank you very much. Right. And I forgot to introduce them before. Grace and Mark, what do you tell, tell them what you both do? What do, you do what's your profession, Grace? Uh, I'm a, peds, a pediatric gastroenterology doctor. Okay, and Mark? Adult gastroenterology doctor. <laughs> <laughs> So they were our GI crew to make sure they, our stomachs was okay. Yeah. Guess who the first one who got sick on the trip was? <laughs> but my point is, when Grace said earlier about getting out of our comfort zone, okay, and, and doing something and taking time off, it's not the people who went on this trip weren't people who had, who had oodles and oodles of free time. and weren't people who were sitting around doing nothing and said, I want, these are people, each person who went, made a sacrifice in some way, shape, or form, whether it was their family or their career or their health or whatever it may be. We had someone on the trip who just discovered that she was pregnant, okay, but she was still on that trip and she was still drinking the same water that we were drinking and getting on the same bus. We had someone who was, uh, we had uh, my mother-in-law who was uh, the elder statesman on the trip, shall we say, and she was going up and down that mountain just like everyone else and, and, and we were all like, are you okay? And she, no problem, and she was going. We had, uh, on the other side of this camera, Agatha, Okay, Agata, I know, is watching this presentation. She's not, a, it's on the camera. She's, Agata is in Poland. Okay, Agata and her husband, Martin, are in Poland, and they joined us on this trip, even though she didn't speak, they didn't speak any Arabic. Okay, but they joined us on this trip. And like I said, there are so many more stories and so many people that I could share. We couldn't bring them all up here on stage, but thank you very much, Grace. Thank you very much, Mark. Give them one more big hand. And lastly, but not least, is yours truly. What lesson did I learn? I actually, I'm gonna piggyback on, on what Grace was talking about there. You notice that all the people who came up here, first we started with kids, then we started with teenagers, and then we went to adults. So let's even leave the adults aside for a second. Kids and teenagers tend to complain. You didn't hear any complaining on this trip. We, like Grace said, it wasn't always the cleanest of, of situations. Okay, and I'm a germaphobe myself, so I notice every single little thing. It was approximately the temperature, I wrote it down here, one million degrees every day, okay, <laughs> approximately, okay. And you didn't hear anybody complain about that. Water wasn't always available, so it was kind of like a camel. They drink as much as you can in the morning because you don't know when you're going to get the next uh, round of clean water or cold water. But you didn't hear anybody complaining. We slept very little on some of those days. Very, very, very little. Not just because we were in the room very little, but sometimes the beds, like Marianne and I, we had to go back to the honeymoon days. We had to share a little twin bed like this, okay? And it, would, it sounds very romantic, but it's not as romantic when it's 1,000 degrees, right? <laughs> Nobody complained about any of that stuff. Why? 
because all anyone could talk about was the joy that we found. The joy that we found. Like I said, that was our theme. And it wasn't just us saying we are joyful. Believe it or not, when we were in, in the hotel in Upper Egypt, in a city called Minya, on the last, we were there for three nights, four nights, three nights. On the last night, I wasn't even there at the time, but apparently the owner of the hotel came around and found the group. I can't remember if it was a breakfast or a dinner or what it was. He came around and he said he wanted to talk to our group. And he said, we've had many groups come into this hotel, whether it's tourists, whether it's church groups, whether it's groups that are doing the exact same service that you guys do. And he said, we've never seen a group as joyful as you guys. That's what he said. And like I said, these are, we, we're in, a, in, a, in uncomfortable circumstances, but he said, we've never seen a group as comfortable as you. I'm sorry, as joyful as you. And the best part that he said was this. He didn't just say you were joyful with each other. He said it was the staff members, the people cleaning the rooms, the people that were cleaning the tables. It was those people who the ones who commented and said about how this group is special. And I said, that made me so happy. You know why? Because very important for me. I shared this with the group. Very important. The worst people on the planet are people who are out there serving, okay, and ministering to people, and then they come back, and it's the hired help, and, you know, all of a sudden we, we can't, we're off the clock. So we treat them like they're the hired help. And I was so glad that our group, even though we never talked about it, our group knew that we are Christ everywhere we go. If that's with a poor person, great. If that's with a rich person, great. If that's with someone who has uh, an ailment, great. If that's with someone who's in perfect health, that's great. We're Christ everywhere we go. We are not discriminating. We're not people who say, okay, we punch in in the morning, we go do our service, then we punch out, and then we are different kinds of people back in the hotel or when it's just us. Made me very proud to see that. And it reminded me, even though I didn't need a reminding, because God put this reminder in my heart from very, very early on in my priesthood, reminded me of one of the most important verses in all of Scripture, which came to me on the day of my ordination. Okay, the day I was ordained, this was the gospel that was in the liturgy, and I've kept it with me since that time of the ordination. Okay, which is Mark chapter 10, verse 45, that says that even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me ask you a question. Who is the most joyful person that ever walked the face of this planet? Jesus was. Why? Because he had the easiest life? Because he had the newest gadgets? Because everything was comfortable around him? No. Jesus, from the day he came to the day he left, and not even the day, the, 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 Jesus, the, the existence, God is love. So God, is, is, his entire existence is to love and to give and to serve. And that's where joy comes from. And we, it's a lesson that we may be able to teach our kids and tell our kids and remind our kids, but it's something that we, actually one of the people said that on the trip. One of the people said, the reason I signed up for this trip because my kids were spoiled, and I wanted them to learn not to be spoiled. He said, by, by the end of the trip, I discovered that I was the spoiled one. It wasn't my kids that spoiled, and it's true. And if our kids are spoiled, we spoiled them, so don't blame them. We're the spoiled ones, and we're the ones who teach them how to be spoiled. What we learned on this trip is the most joyful people will be the most giving people. And we found it's joy, it's three kinds of joy. That's all or none, okay? It's a package deal. If you, if you do this, you get all three, and you don't, you lose all three. It's joy for myself by seeking to give joy to others, which ultimately gives joy to God. It's a package deal. When we seek to give joy to others, we seek to serve others, God himself is the one who's filled with joy and we ourselves are filled with joy. And the reason why it brings so much joy to God's heart, parents will get this one very, very easy. The fast track, the easy pass lane 
the HOV express lane to the heart of God is to serve one another. You know why? Because you say, I love you, Father Anthony. And you tell me how great I am. That's nice. You do something nice for me. Okay. But you know the fast track to my heart is to do something nice for my kids. And I think the same is true with God. Yes, we should fast. Yes, we should pray. Yes, we should read our Bible. Yes, we should go to church. We should do all those things. But ultimately, in the end, what God wants to see out of all of us is love for his children. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you today to get outside of your bubble. Several people said it. We're all going to focus on getting outside of our, especially if you're lacking joy, especially if you're lacking joy. And you know, I say this to people. Sometimes people that go through hard circumstances and trials or, or they're grieving. You know what I tell a grieving person? It's a, it seems like the opposite of what you would tell them. I tell a grieving person or a person who's depressed or a person who's sad, a person who's going through a hard time, I say you need to serve. You need to serve someone outside of yourself. You need to get outside of yourself. You need to stop looking at woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. You need to go out there and see that A, there's people who have it much worse than you, and then B, you will find it's a mystery. It's a mystery. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And through that, he found joy. And that's my encouragement to every single one of you is let's find ways to get outside of ourselves. Especially the harder your life is, the more you need it. The harder your life is, the more you need it. Find ways to get outside of ourselves. If you want to serve in the local community right here, Steve, I don't know where Steve went. Okay, Steve was over there somewhere. Right there. Okay, there's Steve. Okay, come talk to Steve. Okay, Steve is the one who heads up Hope Multiplied, which is our community service arm here in Arlington in the D.C. area. We got all kinds of different programs, mentor programs, read aloud programs. We got new programs that we want to start when we open the building. Come talk to Steve. You say, I want to go to Egypt, okay? And I don't know if I can make the next mission trip, but me and my family, we go. Come talk to Marcel right here about connecting with Shepherd and Mother of Light. One of the things that actually we talked about is that we don't want it to just be like mission trips because mission trips happen once a year and they're very limited time. And you might not be able to go. But if you go on a two-week trip to Egypt, come talk to Marcel and see if you can get connected. Say, I'll give one day or two days. I'm a doctor. I'll go two days. I'll be there for 14. Okay, I'm going to eat so much food and see enough of the family, like enough with the family and the food. I'll give two days to Shepherd and Mother of Light, and I'll go do service. I'll give you two days. Tell me what you want for those two days. Come talk to Marcel. We're also very honored today because we have a special guest, Mr. Chad Sutton. Big hand for Mr. Chad Sutton right here. <laughs> Chad Sutton, okay, is the U.S. Director of Stevens Children, which is the organization Mama Maggie's okay, is working with, okay, and he, when he found out about this presentation, said he would be willing to come here and visit us, okay, and he came from Michigan, right, Michigan, Detroit, Grand Rapids, okay, Lions fan, ah, okay, okay, good, then, then we're okay, with it, okay, so he's here today, okay, and I asked him that if he wouldn't, wouldn't mind standing up so that people could see him, if you say, I want to be connected with Mama Maggie's group, or I want to go visit the McCutcham area and work in that area, come talk to, to Chad right here, the point is, okay, we are all have, we all need, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, big hand again. Thank you. Sorry. I didn't mean to leave you standing. Sorry. The point is we all need to get outside of our bubble. And I'll give you one more opportunity, okay, which just the timing worked out right here. On Saturday, August 26th is an event that we started last year. It's called Ignite. And this is for all volunteers here in the church, in STSA church. But it's also a chance for those who are not volunteering, okay? If anyone is not currently volunteering, we need to go on mission trips, and we need to go on trips to Egypt, and we need to help in the community. But we also need to serve here in our local church because that's the consistency, okay? That's the like every Sunday or like every couple weeks. We all need that. 
The outside trips are great and we need those as boosts, but we need the day-to-day as well. So if you, are, if you are currently volunteering in any capacity, save the date, August 26th. You're going to get an email this week and you can register for it, okay? If you are not volunteering in any capacity, I still will invite you to join us on August 26th. You'll get to see what does it mean to be a volunteer here at STSA. You hear about different opportunities. You'll have opportunity to connect, okay, and get plugged in because the bottom line, okay, that I'm done right here, joy is waiting for you. Joy is waiting for you on the other side of your bubble. Joy is waiting for you on the other side. I don't mean this in a personal way, okay? Just take this this way. The selfish life, the me-focused life, the the comfort-oriented life, you never find joy in that life. You want to find joy? It's about self. What we did for one week, okay? I'm not saying any of us are saints, but for one week, we sought to give, not to receive. For one week, we sought to be uncomfortable, not comfortable. We sought to be selfless, not selfish, for one week. And hopefully it continues, okay? But for that one week, we had tremendous joy because it wasn't about ourselves. Why do we do mission trips? STSA family. Core value number 10. Says what? Says genuine love for community. I want to hear everyone say it like you mean it this time. Say it with me. We bleed with love for the community around us, especially those who are without Christ. We don't just care about, but physical, emotional, and social needs as well. We seek to be a true blessing to the community in whatever way we can. And we know, as Jesus taught us, that when we seek to be a blessing, we ourselves will be blessed. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you came to set an example and show us that you didn't come to be served, but to serve and give your life as a ransom for many. Who knows where we would be, Lord, without that. We thank you. And we thank you for this reminder that you gave us. Please help us to get outside of ourselves and to live selfless lives that your name would be glorified and that we would experience the joy that you have planned for every single one of us. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers and intercessions of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our... We hope today's message inspires you in your faith journey. And at the end of this episode, we invite you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel.